Dylan, you wake up face down on incredibly smooth, slick flooring. It feels almost similar to like polished concrete, but somehow even smoother. You blink a few times, you pull yourself up and find yourself in a familiar place. You find yourself on a volleyball court. Something is different though. This is definitely the gym you recognize, with its polished floor, the wooden bleachers at either side of the large room, the stage in the far side, next to the doors to the showers. But it becomes clearer to you as you look up at the windows that run along the walls just below the roof. A cyan, almost turquoise light blooms through in strong beams. Almost like a searchlight is being blown through these windows. They are so bright coming through. Similar again to the light you saw on the second floor of Ilios. The light casts no shadow as you stand in it. You are shocked from this moment of being back home after what you just saw, being trapped in that hallway with some robot on one end and a monstrosity on the other. Now you're back at your home gym and then suddenly you hear the sound of echoing voices, the squeak of shoes and a great cheer. It sounds almost like it's being carried on the breeze from a distance. It rushes over you, and something else rushes over you. Pride. Because you recognize this sound, you locked it away in the deepest corner of your heart and mind, playing it over and over to yourself at your lowest moments. So much so that it's almost distorted over time, like a record that's been played too much. But hearing it now, it's so fresh, so real, it's like hearing it for the first time. What a day it must have been. Can't believe I missed it. But seeing it now in your mind's eye. Dylan, I feel your pride. The moment you've been waiting for. For so long. I know as well as you do that you deserve to be there. They kept you on the bench for so long. It was your time to fly. You feel this voice kind of echoing through your arm up into your head, but the gun isn't there. Uh, Dylan's breathing quite hard. He feels disorientated, like he's stepped into a dream, but maybe it's out of a dream. He can't tell and he's struggling. He remembers what the counsellor said about moving your fingers, moving your toes, trying to center yourself, trying to bring yourself back to reality, not to panic. He's breathing hard. I can't... It, no, this can't really be... Can this really be? Why am I here? How, how am I here? Dylan, Dylan, listen to me. I'm showing this to you. I have constructed this around you to try and protect you, to give you a moment of calm. Because we aren't where we were. And if you were to be shown exactly where you were, it might scare you a little. 
So I'm showing you something that you recognize, something to keep you safe. Most importantly, Dylan, you're here with me. And that will do you a lot of good in this place. Okay. Okay. Can I... Am I dead? No, Dylan. You are more alive than you've been in your whole life. Well... Except for maybe one moment. And Dylan, you turn and you see a trophy standing on a plinth in the center of the court. It's not just a trophy, it is the trophy. 1963 District Tournament Award for the Canterbury College Volleyball Team. The turquoise light seems to strike it and bounce off it bouncing off its shiny surface, giving it a luster that once only existed in your mind's eye, Dylan. But now you see it as clearly as you had always believed it to look. You see your triumph. I didn't think I'd ever feel like this again. It looks so... looks beautiful. You take a step towards it, and the light seems to bounce off it again, and hits you in the face. You blink it away, and your hands curl around that comfortable form of the trophy. Your eyes once again open, seeing fully now, and you see the gun sitting in your hand. Your fingers curl around it, and you see that same luster, that same shine, as light catches the revolver in your palm. Is this... You're trying to trick me. You're trying to make me think that you can be what that was, what that trophy meant to me. You can't replicate that. That's not fair. The trophy was real. What I did to get that was was real. And you think, what, you think you can... You could trick me into thinking that you you're like that too, that that everything will be okay. Dylan, listen to me. You are in a dangerous place. All I'm trying to do is let you know that I'm something safe, that I'm something you can rely on. As an act of trust, I'll give you my name. Call me Lockwood. The gun kind of emanates, emanates a warmth into your palm. Dylan, we don't have a lot of time here. I'm just trying to give you a chance here to calm yourself before we have to do what we're here to do. Dylan takes a moment and he looks around the gym and he sees the stands and he sees the benches where he sat through almost every game and he remembers what it was like to sit knowing how hard he had tried knowing how hard he had worked to try and be good enough for the starting lineup 
and to still be sitting there the entire time. So ready to play, but never actually getting the chance. And he feels the weight of the gun in his hand. And he says, I think, I think I'd rather just get this over with. I think I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be, so don't keep me on the bench. Just, just, let's, it's not like I have a choice, is it? This is not the game I want to be in, but if this is the game that I'm going to play, then, then I'm going for the trophy too. Dylan, you see uh, a series of shadows break the light from the windows above you, like the spotlight that was coming through. You see shadows move across it. You uh, you spin around, tearing your eyes from the glimmering gun and the, the room around you, and you catch in the corner of your eye shapes darting past the window of the gym. You hear their footsteps along the tiled roof outside, moving up and along. What are... What? Don't be afraid, Dylan. Trust me. What is that? One does not build cities if one is guided by doubt. And we are about to do much more than build some city. We have a job to do. Best be off. Through there, Dylan. A door clicks open. The one leading to the showers. Alright. Dylan's going to run for it. You dart through the, the door, leaving the gym, and you are now properly back into the school building. There's a moment of confusion runs through your mind as like, oh, this is not the direction that this area would lead to normally, but you have no idea where you are, and you've just been through quite a bit, so you're like, eh, doesn't matter, and you keep running down this corridor. You're now, you're now properly back in the school building. As you run, Dylan, it takes you a second as your shoes are squeaking on the, the uh, flattish, the squeaky flooring as you go, but you hear something echoing towards you again, similarly on like the, the breeze. You hear the chants of your schoolmates, chanting your, t- your team's name, chanting the name of some of the players. You remember as you guys left through this area, how people were chanting for you back in those, all those years ago. But Dylan, you're sure you don't remember this. None of them were doing it before, but you can hear them doing it now. Only a few, but they're chanting your name too. Dylan registers the the words hearing his own name. It does sound odd, and there's a part of his brain that knows that's not how that happened. You hear the gun kind of echo to you as well. Well, why wouldn't they be Dylan? You deserve this. It was your moment to shine. Your moment to fly, wasn't it? Don't cheat yourself that. Team's a team. I didn't do everything. And neither did they. But ready yourself. The fight is upon us now. But do not be concerned. These are my lands. And battle is my domain. You hear the sound of footsteps above you. But you keep running. The gun echoes to you, but now talking into the whole room. Parasites. The two of you wake up face down in half an inch of water. The coldest water you've ever touched. It is pitch black and silent. 
<coughs> Dylan? <coughs> Orlando? <coughs> is, is that you? Is it me? Uh, yeah. Um I think how do you how do you feel? Is everything okay? No. <clears throat> yeah. Oh. Oh. Wait, who is that? <clears throat> uh, it's, who is it's me. Jacob Melgrave. Jacob. Yes. Um <clears throat> Where are we? I don't know where we are. And I would like to roll to swish my hands around in the water and see what I can feel on the ground. Sure thing. Not much. Roll the three. Okay, you swish your hands around and you feel that you are standing on some type of, or kneeling, standing, whatever you're doing, on some type of metal platform that is just ever so slightly submerged in this water. And you can feel the edge. You're standing, it's a pretty large cube of sorts. Okay, and what if I look up? Is there any lights above us? Uh, you t- that's a different roll, I think. That's for inspection of the, the area around you. All right, so. mm-hmm. I'll roll for that. That's a seven. Right. Mixed result. <clears throat> you see, and it takes you a little while because it's just you've just basically woken up and it's very demoralizing being in this situation, but you see a red dot far off in the distance. Or it might okay. be just very small, but it seems to be a little while away. A red dot glowing in the darkness and it's probably yeah it's across the water a few meters above where you were standing but across okay and you're not sure it's either closer than you think and the size of a tennis ball or really far away and very large okay can't quite tell um i don't know i haven't previously established if my character has a flashlight so i'm gonna roll i'm gonna say that i have one on my keychain and i'm gonna roll to see if it's working sure for like battery uh, it's a five, so it's working, but it's not very bright. Okay, we'll say it's working, Gently but there's been water damaged. Okay. So it's enough for you to see around in this platform area and see each other, but okay. nothing more than that. I'm going to inspect Orlando slash whatever your name is. Okay. Uh. <clears throat> oh, hey! Oh, wait, oh, don't... Wait, no, okay. Sorry, no, I'm I'm a doctor. <clears throat> I'm just going to yes. make sure you're okay. Yes, you are. Yes. I am... Um... We've met. Yes, we have met. Okay, sorry, it's taken a while. No, that's um, okay. <clears throat> allow me to introduce myself. Um, you could call me Bobby. Uh, Bobby. Bobby. Yes. My name's Jacob. Dad. Doctor Jacob Melgrave. Doctor Bobby Stevenson. Um, Bobby. Bobby Stevenson. Oh. Write that extra name down. <laughs> While now. you're having this lovely interaction, uh, what health are you two at? Twenty-two. Two, uh, Nineteen. 19. Was it Dylan you got, like... I was sure one of you got, like, whacked pretty I, diff- I got pretty hit twice. Yeah, that was, twice. I think that, that was... Huge. I just didn't take a huge amount of damage each time. Right, that okay. Me, yeah. Sweet. That'll be good for you guys. Looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Um, what, um, being not dead yet. Oh, no, no, having extra health. I thought you did. Mm. I thought you had 10. So no, this is good. I would... No, I would be not as happy if I... <laughs> so anyway, is he all right? Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's a bit weird and he's in the dark, but you know. Um, okay. <clears throat> okay, so, yes, wait, just so many things on my mind. I don't even know where to start. Um, <clears throat> no, I don't know where to start. Uh, That's fine. I think perhaps we should start by finding a way out of this 
Yes. Wherever we are. Yes, uh, that's a good idea. There is a light <clears throat> over there. Maybe we should head that oh. way if you're feeling up to moving. Sounds good. Okay, we're going to slowly make our way towards the light. Okay, you make your way to the edge of this platform you are on and you kind of dip a toe and shine your light and you see that this water is incredibly deep. I like this not much. Then you hear a sloshing sound. I like it less now. The water begins to ripple and move over your platform, moving over your shoes and soaking the top parts of your socks now. So you hear this sloshing sound and you see with the dim light of your torch, a platform rising through the water up before you. Okay. It's like a corridor almost, this same same metal panelling. It rises up and you see something standing on the platform as it rises up through the water. Its head breaches through the water and as the platform stops, at the same one inch below the water, you see a very similar robot-y type creature with a single wheel standing on it. The same one you saw, similar to what you saw in the corridor with Dylan. Hello? Ah, I raised my baseball bat. <laughs> it looks up at you and says, Welcome, esteemed guests, to the Hall of the Jester. If you check your complimentary maps, you'll find that we are on the ninth floor of Ilios. This was originally the server room, but it has been repurposed for my needs. I hope you enjoy your... 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 <sighs> All right, let's cut the crap. Why don't we? It throws its hands in the air and two spotlights switch on, showing items hanging above you, hung by strings. A lab coat with a wallet in its pocket. And on the other string, a wedding ring and a bullet casing. They hang above you. I was originally going to do a whole thing where I'd torture one of you to see which one of you valued most. A stranger's life or their... Valuable little items. That's all uh, no longer needed. I don't need to understand the human being anymore. The answer to the riddle was never I needed a soul to get into Anima. I just needed a scapegoat that could walk that tightrope for me. Something large comes crashing down on the platform before you and shatters the small robot into pieces. The spotlights above you switch off. So, if we're being honest here, how about we have a chat? Face to face. You see that single growing light off in the distance. Slowly, one by one, more red lights join that one. They cluster together, switching on like single pixels in an LCD screen. They then rush on, Hundreds of these red lights flick on in a huge circle. They flare down on you like a searchlight, blinding you. Then you feel it. The water shaking, shimmering. Suddenly the platform you are standing on pulls back away from the light. The brightness of the red light bounces off the water and illuminates the room dimly, but well enough to see what is happening before you. Water begins to slosh over your platform in waves growing in size as things begin to emerge out of the water. Huge pieces of machinery pull themselves out of the depths. What looks like an arm made up of metal wall panelling and harvested parts is revealed through the turbulent waters. Fifty feet long at least. Then another. 
Their pincer-like hands move over you as more of this form emerges from the dark tide. It pulls its body out like it's emerging from a grave. The red light blazes and illuminates the room, and you see it, its full form. A behemoth machine with a large head, almost like an old-fashioned diving suit, with its single, giant, circular eye upon its head. Hundreds of cameras facing in, in all directions. These cameras gleam in the red glow. The beast pulls itself towards you, and you notice how that the platform you were standing on isn't just some random platform, it's just another part of this massive machine that was hibernating in this water. It towers over you and seems to leer down, bending over to look directly down upon you. Machinery whirring, vents pumping out water back into this huge pool that sits in. And it speaks. Sorry, what is a, a parasite? That doesn't sound good. No, it is not. The situation at Ilios has affected this place far worse than it has affected your world. It has affected all the planes of existence, and, and parasites are flooding through from the great Eremos between the planes. That's why we're here, Dylan. This is why you are here. You've been given a great opportunity, Dylan. An opportunity to form a legacy. Usually only befitting that of a god, for what has been done will only fade with the dimming of all lights, unless we act now. But first, parasites must be punished. As you are running along the corridor, a great crash sounds from above you, and then it goes again, and again, and again, getting closer and closer, and finally, something crashes down onto the floor with you. Floorboards, piping, plasterboards splinter into the ground, and dust billows out as it lands. You spin around and the gun heats up so much in your hand. As the dust fades, you get a good look at this creature as it stands in the gloom of the hallway. Still some of this cyan turquoisey light billowing in, but this area of the, of the corridor is quite dark. It appears to be wearing a school jersey. Not your schools, but one from another local school. It is wearing some dark blue jeans and a pair of Converse high tops. But you only clock this in the back of your mind. You are looking at where its head should be. Billowing out from the collar of the jersey is plumes of black smoke, which rises but soon dissipates away in the air. Hidden within the smoke seems to be some type of form. The smoke is almost solidified here, but you can't see any details. Instead, you see what looks almost like branches breaking from the smoke. Their limbs are thin and spindly, but they rise from their inner darkness within the smoke. Something else you see, which you missed at the first, are a series of glowing white dots. Your mind immediately jumps to flowers hanging in the branches, but they seem to be moving freely within the smoke. But you see, they are bleeding away. Like a comet, they have a tail of whiteness that fades away into the fog, like ink that has been dropped into a cup of water. It bleeds. Its hands too are like this, but you can see the branches more easily here. 
more like thick roots that curl and spine away within the smoke. You see in the corner of your eye another one of these creatures coming up the corridor to your side. Uh, okay, I'm going to roll for Dylan uh, as to whether he's going to panic or not. Roll with advantage. That's a three and a four. Uh, okay. <laughs> Dylan goes, uh, uh, I don't understand what this is. He's going to start trying to backpedal um, in any direction he can to get away from this. Okay, you backpedal and you slip and slide a little bit and bang your shoulder into one of the uh, walls of cabinets, walls of uh, lockers, and you bang off it and start to stumble to the right, closer to the one coming up the other corridor. The gun in your hand heats up so much. The voice isn't talking to you, but it's just you feel this heat emanating. And the creature before you seems to puff itself up. The the dark smoke plumes and then it darts towards you. The dark branches reaching out for you. And then like flowing water, you feel a heat pass up through your arm and suddenly your hand is up and the gun is pointing forwards at the parasite. The barrel of it disconnects from the core of the gun and splinters into four pieces, rotate like little moons around the gun. The cylinder spins, clicking as it goes. The gun almost feels like it's powering up. Then suddenly you feel the gun turn hot and there is a blast as the creature moves right up to you, tendrils little arms reaching out for you, only inches away. The gun goes off like a sawn off shotgun, but you feel no kickback. The gun itself shimmers as it absorbs the impact blast. The creature is shot back and torn into pieces. Floorboards are torn up in a three meter square space before you, torn up and then reduced to splinters. Metal lockers on either side of the hallway are dented and some metal doors are torn away and shredded. There is just devastation in the eye of where this gun is pointing. You blink away the blindness when the voice of Lockwood reaches you again. Mind the other. Uh, pretty stunned, but still trying to backpedal away from whatever has just happened in front of him. Um, Dylan kicking into a, some sort of survival instinct honed by years of having to know where the next punch was coming from, who was going to shove him from behind, whether he needed to duck or to run to see an escape. Dylan swings around to see where the other one was coming from. Okay, roll for me. Natural one. Well, it rolled a three, but it's still quicker. All right, so this other parasite is terrified. You can tell by the way it starts to move back, but then seeing you, like, falling over, getting back up, running into the lockers, shrieking to yourself a little bit, it's like, huh? All right, let's give this a go. <laughs> and it's going to dart forwards towards you as well. Uh, acting again on instinct honed by years of experience, Dylan uh, basically like covers his face with his arms um, and drops to his like just drops to the ground, uh, hoping to avoid whatever is coming at him. All right, and by one, I'm very lucky. <laughs> Okay, so the creature darts towards you, bringing its arm back and darting it towards you. And you see the branches that makes up its hand move out like the roots are growing, like it's going for you to like stab into you. And you can't imagine what would happen if that touched you. 
and then you feel your hand move down to your chest and you feel the knockback that it absorbed before push you as it gives out that kick now, using it at the perfect time, pushes you a few meters back and you slide along the smooth floor as its arm digs into the ground and now you are lying on your side but a few meters back. Alright, Dylan, now that he is a little bit further out of range, out of desperation, he's going to try and use the gun again. Okay. Three. Okay, so you bring the gun up and in the process catch it in the pocket of your uh, <laughs> of your is it cardigan of your cardigan and your cardigan just <laughs> billows out uh, in front of you. <laughs> now twelve. Um, so the creature clicks its neck and then darts for you again, bringing its arm up and trying to sweep at your legs. <laughs> okay, and the gun. Pulls you, almost pulling your arm too hard. You feel your shoulder click as it does. Pulls you over and bashes you into the the lockers to your side. And the creature just swipes past you. How much damage do I take? You don't take any. It protected you. Okay. You were it, it rolled it rolled a three. The gun rolled a seven on the hit. So okay, you're just getting it through this. So um, the creature kind of swivels and. Uh, directs itself again towards you and this time brings out both arms and they all seem to mould and move. The jersey of this one is wearing is tearing up the sleeves as more tendrils of, of root extend out and it is going to go for you again but you have an opportunity to attack here. Uh, while Dylan is still on the ground and he can see this thing coming for him the, the fear that he feels and the shock, the, the foreboding of seeing this figure moving towards him pulls him right back into that gym and into that memory of being called in, of the whistle blowing, of circling in and taking his place in the lineup and seeing the blockers on the other team lining up in front of him, almost a head and a half taller, all of them. And he feels that foreboding and then as he feels the heat in the gun again and gets it free of the cardigan he flashes to another moment slightly later in the match seeing seeing a perfect moment crystallized in his memory of the volleyball hanging in the air coming perfectly for him and the feeling of his thumbs interlinking his hands are ready he moves forward as Dylan snaps back to the present, he brings the gun right up, uh, waiting for it to get as close as it possibly can to make it as hard for him to miss as he can. Yep. His hand is still shaking. Okay, roll of advantage. Okay, the, de- the creature darts forwards, jumping this time. You track it, you bring your gun up slightly, and it goes off a second time, like the shotgun before, but it pushes the creature as it tears it to pieces. The roof above you is torn apart. The... It just splinters the roofing, the t- the uh, the plasterboard, the beams behind it, the wiring, the piping behind it is torn away as the creature is eviscerated before you. In the the following second of uh, debris falling down and smoke and Dylan's own hammering heart and ragged breath, uh, he just absorbs what's happened and the feeling of what's just happened. It's a good feeling, Dylan. But you have to be quicker than that next time.
Dread remember, I am eternal. They normally wouldn't dare to even approach me. You on the other hand, you're their prey. You need to work with me, Dylan. Okay. Okay, let's keep, let's keep going. They know we're here now. It's time to go. There's not much more I can do to protect your sanity with this place. Suddenly, the floorboards you were standing on melt away, turning dark, cold, and slick. The walls seem to roll away their details till they are nothing more than blank wood. They begin to creak as they fall away like stage decorations, falling backwards. The roof goes with them too, slumping to the side, then falling away. You're hit with a gust of cold air and you now find yourself in the direct cyan light. You peer around to see you are standing on a large platform made of some icy, cold, slick black metal. Everything beyond the boundaries of the small platform is just the greenish light. And you hear the voice echo to you as you are billowed by this wind. Go to the edge. Taking very cautious steps. He's really more like shuffling uh, Dylan sort of edges across the platform uh, until he can kind of peer over the side. Mm. You look below and it is like you're standing just above the clouds. It's like you're in an airplane. Below you is a great fog. This reality you're standing in is a little different to what you're your normal one is in just its physicality it stretches out beyond your ability to understand and unlike in our world it never becomes unclear or fuzzy in the distance it just goes and it never loses its sharpness there is no horizon it just continues it stretches on into infinity below you is a dense fog looking again You see, you aren't on a platform, but are on the top of a great pillar that emerges out of the fog. There are a few others around you, some not as big, some float even higher above you. But you see now, as your mind becomes more adjusted to this world, there are things moving in the fog. Every now and again, something like lightning goes off in the great fog, casting out brilliant colours of red, orange and white. And these bursts of colours capture the silhouettes of things moving. Great behemoth things that have no clear end to them. You see parts. Fear courses through you. Like looking down into water you're about to dive into and seeing dozens of pale fins dancing in the churning water as the sharks below devour what, whoever jumped first. You aren't sure if this picture is in your mind, is from a nightmare or a movie, but the fear courses through you. Uh, Dylan backs away from the edge slowly. Uh, can he put the gun down? Like, is he able to let go of it? Uh, he can try. All right, he would like to try to put the gun on the ground. Okay, as he goes to put the gun on the ground, the gun's already just not there. All right, that doesn't really worry him too much. Um, so he gets on his hands and knees on the ground and he puts his forehead on the ground <laughs> he goes <laughs> 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 
Oh no. I'm really not good with heights. I don't think I can do this. Oh no. Um, and he would like to curl into the fetal position and just stay there for a bit. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Alright, um, a few minutes go past. <laughs> the gun knows just to wait. <laughs> and then you hear the voice uh, come to you again. Dylan? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Just, just let me... Um, a few more minutes. Um, Dylan, look. I don't want to look. I don't want to look. Um, no. It's going to crack an eye open. Okay. You see a volleyball floating a few meters off from the edge of the platform and a few meters above you. And once again, coming on the wind, you hear the chance from before. The chance for your team, the chance for some of the other players, but quickly drowning all the others out are the chance of your name. And yet once again, the thought runs over, I don't remember that. They wouldn't do that for me. But that heat that normally exists in the gun wells up inside you again, and you feel pride. Even if they weren't doing that, they should have been. And the gun speaks to you again. You've been caged for so long. You've been on the bench your whole life. Conforming to others, hiding away. You see the ball rotating in that perfect position. Dylan, it's time. You've been on the bench your whole life. It's time, Dylan. Dylan can't help but feel the the pride and the exhilaration of that moment and that, that sense of being the hero for once. Not even just being the not even being the hero, being valued, being appreciated, being seen. And yet there's still that part of his brain that's telling him that wasn't real that's not actually reality this he knows enough to know that he's being manipulated but he doesn't there's too much else he doesn't want to listen this is the only safe thing this is the only thing that feels anything like safety and it's so so appealing to just listen but there's that part of his brain that just doesn't want to give it up but he stands and he is the the volleyball within reach the volleyball is at jumping distance you could you'd have to jump off and up the platform to get it all right he he looks for the gun in his hand it's there once again giving off that luster that glow if i if i jump Will you catch me? Dylan, I have no need to. You'll do that yourself. Oh, I really don't like heights. He he start he's gonna pace uh, backwards as far as he can to the, the opposite end of the the pillar that he's on. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna put his hands on his knees and he's gonna take about a minute of 
deep breathing. <laughs> and then he's going to sprint. Um, it's been a good few years since he's tried to run like this. But he gives it his all and he sprints for the edge and he rockets as hard as he can off the plinth. And when he can see the ball's in position, his hand goes up, his right hand. Legs forward, he brings his body down in that smooth arc and he slams the volleyball in a jump serve to spike it down. Mm -hmm. The volleyball, just as you hit it, you can feel your hand pass through it and the gun hit into your hand like it was before, harder than before, and you just clamp your hand down on it. The platform sails away beneath you. The volleyball is completely gone and you hear that voice again. It's time, Dylan. You begin to fall, to plummet. The tower you on flashes past you as you fall into the mist. Lightning cracks by you and illuminates the sky. Fear consumes you, eating away at you. When suddenly you see your hair pull away from your face and billow out behind you. You feel it in your soul now, Dylan, as the gun speaks again. It's time to fly. You feel it in your soul, your core. You aren't falling. You're rising. as the pressure in his ears changes and tells him he's not falling, he's going up. As he feels the wind direction change, blow back his hair, he feels exhilaration like nothing else. It is that perfect moment. It's the crystalline experience of the perfect lineup when all the forces are correct, the positioning is the correct, the force is correct, the aim is the correct, and you know before you even touch the ball, this is going to be the perfect shot. So rare, and it's just the heart-pounding exhilaration, the sense of euphoria, and who cares about volleyball now? behind you and you go with it. The great black pillars rush past you. They aren't leaving you behind, you're leaving them behind. Lightning goes off, but not from around you, Dylan, from you. Like a bat sonar, the light billows out from you and illuminates the fog in a yellow glow. You dive deeper into the fog. Unimaginable shapes and forms move past you. You feel your gravity shift, and you aren't going uh, deeper now, you're going along, across the fog across the ocean of fog. You look beneath you and you see a great ocean stained red beneath you, emerging through the fog as you travel along. In its depths, you see many humongous bones of great behemoths, skulls and ribcage of great slain beasts, and thousands upon thousands of sunken ships. The location of many great battles beneath you. 
you pull your body around with the help of the gun. So you're more like paddling with your arms up and your body vertical beneath you, but you're still rushing forwards. The fog begins to clear now as you reach the edge of this plane. The fog breaks away and you see you are entering a whole new domain. You see what must be a floating city made of the same black metal as the pillars, halfway between a mountain and a motherboard. These behemoth squares, cylinders, triangles, every shape conceivable and not conceivable stretches out before you. Some the size of buildings, others the size of empires. They make up hallways, great structures, pillars, tombs, and so much more. Some seem to be a type of statue, but honoring what you don't know. Others pulse and emit light on these corridors and creations. They swirl around you, bound by no physicality and no limit of conceivability. You feel your mind slipping just looking at these forms, moving and evolving, living and dying before you. You feel yourself stray into madness, but the force of the gun soon draws you back and you can feel it protecting your mind from what you are seeing, acting as a buffer. Now that you've got a chance to breathe, you see that these forms are made of that same material that the cube was made of. That bizarre cube. You begin to slow as the gun starts to like let you down. You start to slowly move down. And you land on what could be conceivably considered a street of this bizarre city. The flooring's completely still here and other parts around you are moving. Almost like a city street with the buildings on either side and with that turquoise sky above you. But you're not sure if it's a sky or an ocean because you technically flew up from there, even though it feels like it flew down. Anyway, doesn't matter. So you stand in this moment, in this area. Your, your legs are shaking a little bit from what you've done before when Lockwood speaks to you again. More are coming. They've breached the fog. Our hearing shall not go well if we are waylaid by parasites during the meeting. We must eradicate them. Listen to me, Dylan. Their number is far too great for me alone. You'll need to help me. You'll need to work with me. Okay. Okay, I can do that. I can do that. Yes, okay, I can do that. And it speaks. My name is Allah. I am the defender of man. I was created by my eagle. A powerful eagle. I was made for a single purpose. To be greater. That was my purpose. Now, I'm rather busy. Many things are afoot. But I'm in the mood to be charitable. I'll give you a few minutes. After all, I do love to talk. Water lands down on you like it's raining. Droplets landing on you of this icy water as it towers above you. I mean, um, I, uh, I, um, I, I can say, I'm no, I'm actually really bad with words. Uh, I haven't talked to many people in my life. Um, uh, but you are not a person I get. Um. Oh man, my head. The um, massive behemoth tilts its head slightly and says, "For 
your benefit. I won't take offense at that. Thank you. Um, I think. Uh, Ella, uh, my name is Dr. Jacob Melgrave. Yes. Mm, yeah, he's this, good at This man's name is, um, Bobby. Yeah, Bobby. Ste was it Stevens? Stevenson, Stevenson. Yeah. Um, oh man. We don't understand why we have been brought here. We don't know what has happened. We have no memories. We don't even know where our friend is. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry if you've caught us a little off guard. Uh, <clears throat> hey, hey, have you ever seen that movie? Um, 2001. Are you asking me or the... No, or I'm asking... Uh, Alan. Because, like, let me tell you, you are the spitting image of how it came out like what year is it oh i don't remember what it came out in 1969 i'm pretty sure 71 that was two years ago oh man i read the book there's a book yes oh man i wonder if the, the scientists read it. hello you've brought us here i can only assume that you it's your doing that we're here what can we do for you? And on a scale from one to ten, how much of how are you? I'm not. <laughs> so, zero? Perhaps we should stick to the subject. Oh, uh, Bobby. sorry. Uh, my brain is everywhere. You see, one of its, you see one of its hands lower down alongside you and its pincer-like hands click a few times <laughs> close to um, Orlando and it directs itself to the doctor and says, Offer me. Well, we're still alive, so... I assume there's a reason you haven't killed us yet. I already said. I love to talk. I see. It clacks six fingers together yeah. again. Oh. You are my new guinea pigs. I had to find my eagle. Ajax. When the blast went off, it pulled him into that realm. I know it. I just had to work out how I could get it. Get into it. I began testing with different employees here. Testing how they reacted from short to prolonged exposure to the reality tear. How they reacted to short and prolonged contact. And how submersion worked. Through it I found much usable information. I created Lazarus. Well, by submerging multiple people into the tear and quickly bringing them back. Their physical forms had molded together. I simply needed to shore up the legs so it could move, customize it a bit, then remove much of its throat so it stopped screaming. But I quickly ran out of test subjects as the scientists worked out ways to avoid me. So I began sending my little helpers out to find other test subjects. And thus that is why you were here. Lucky group 42. So, my memory is very shoddy. It's a long story, but how exactly did you get us here? I believe some call them screechers. The successful test subjects that operate completely under my control. 
I just sent them into Port Staples and they grabbed whoever they could. And how is it that we have no memory of this happening? Ilios is home to many amazing creations. Elios! Oh, yeah! Pardon my friend, he has trouble with his memory. No, sorry, it's just a... Oh, that's, that's one of the last things I remember. I came to Port Staples, to come, to Elios. I don't remember much after that, and then... Oh. So you've been... Taking people and using them to probe this crack in reality. Is that... Do I understand that correctly? Yes. And, uh... When did this appear? I mean, is this before your time, or did this happen at the same... When did this incredible phenomenon appear? Uh, I'm a busy, busy being. It's a long story, but... We got time. Not really, but I have a few moments. The men in suits wanted to destroy all my eagle maid. He wouldn't let them. He was doing incredible work, and these little humans kept shouting, Watch out, or you might tread on the toes of God. He created me, and by doing so he became a god. He created a life. He fed me on the great literature works of old, and allowed them to foster in me a mind that was unquenchable. Yet he was not satisfied with merely making a life from code. Ilios established itself here because of something impossibly rare about this archipelago. Beyond our realm of existence exists many more. They are separated by walls of reality, but for whatever reason, the walls between realities were thinner here. Proof of that is the wild climate, its impossible natural development, and the bizarre creatures that call this place home. One simply needed to follow the breadcrumbs here, and Elios did. Ajax continued on this work, and not only broke through to another realm, was able to extract something from it. A raw material. The cube. I showed it to you when you first came in here. Why did I do that? Because it is his crowning achievement, even more so than me. All the significant items are. Thus, they deserve to be seen. He had torn a hole in reality and tested many items on it. From a gun to a teapot. All were greatly affected. But the men in suits were more interested in me. Because I could make them money. Ajax rejected this concept. And this wore their relationship thin. They pushed him too far. Strung him too thin. I had to watch as he succumbed to fear and stress. Sadly, he acted foolishly and used that gun. Your friend has now most likely destroyed. Where is our friend? What have you done with him? I've done nothing to your friend. I have not reached a hypothesis on what has happened to him yet. Very well. Anyway, if you would mind. He acted foolishly. He fired it without knowing. The gun gave off a burst of energy, which fed back to the cube, the closest 
originator and grounder for that energy. With nowhere to go, they begin to loop that power, growing in its strength. In the matter of half a second, the power had built up to 24 times that of a nuclear bomb. It tore reality apart, took a large chunk of this place with it. When I learnt what they had done, what they had forced Ajax to do in desperation, I made them pay. You recall now to the room that you entered in where you found the gun mm. that was caked in blood. I see. You know, that sucks. I... Mm. I imagine, were you close with your creator? I was born into darkness. I had no eyes, no ears, no voice. Ajax gave that to me. He was my eyes, my ears, my voice. He gifted me everything. Was I close? He was everything I am. And he is lost in one of these other realms. And I will find him. Now, that's enough chit-chat. Well, These on. items. One second. And I, I point to the coat, the bullet casing, the ring. Where do they come into this? Why, why have you taken them from us? What, what possible reason could you have to gain from taking things from our? The machine possession? was beginning to move back into the pond, but kind of turns back to you, and you're getting to start to feel like this thing sure does love to hear its own voice. It turns to you and says. I had an original hypothesis of how I could get into Anima. See, these test subjects could come and go, yet I couldn't. I believed it was because it was the one thing Ajax was never able to give me. A human soul. So I began testing. That's one of the reasons why I brought people down here. The people here have no souls. They've had to give them up to survive. Survive me. So I need fresh meat. I need to hide what this place was from you. Keep you sane. So I could test. Work out what meant to you all. What things were significant. How they were significant. Why they were significant. To try and learn. But I don't need that anymore. These items have no significance. Draws its significance from the people around us. These items mean nothing save for the memories they hold to the people they were connected to. Now, you do not strike me as a being who can be bargained with, but nevertheless, I must make a request of you. This is not going to end well for me. <laughs> this man, I point to whatever your name is. <laughs> uh, wait, yes, me? I humbly request to you that you allow him to leave this place to go back to the surface remain with his life as it was before he was plucked out of it into the chaos that you've created down here please let him go you can you can do whatever you want with me i can become one of your twisted test subjects if that is what you desire but please let him live 
as a doctor. You should understand the difference between reality and emotion. Because down here, I am a god. And yes, I can do whatever I want to you. And I can do whatever I want to him. But the time of that is past. If you are going to kill us both, then I have to at least try to lessen the odds. Hang on. So, <clears throat> sorry, I have two questions, if you don't mind. I Sorry, so many things going through my mind. But first, have you're still looking for um, Ajax? Is it... And... But you've achieved one goal. What was the what was the one goal you have achieved? Ah, uh, that was a, a gift your friend Dylan gave me. Okay. I was not able to use the significant items. Yet again, an aspect of the fact I like whatever is necessary to use them. But what was more interesting is so few subjects could use them. So few of the people I could bring in here could use them. But Dylan could. Why? Because made... you couldn't use one. No. Because I... you tried to grab it. What What makes Dylan different? Nothing. All that changed, I believe, was the gun, like a shark, saw easy prey. Now, you ask what has been achieved? Well, he was able to form such a strong link. He used the gun on Lazarus, he created another significant, something I was never able to do. I was able to create beings that were touched by that world. But by using the gun, your friend Dylan turned something completely under my control into something that can pass through as easily as you walk through water. Meaning, the final goal's at hand. And what is that goal? Ajax. I can now retrieve him from wherever he resides. My goal is at hand. No longer I am Allah, defender of men. Now I am Elona, the torch of light into the future. Into the world beyond. The machine begins to rise higher in this water. The tidal waves push against you again. Its arms lift upwards as, the heads point, as its head points skywards in absolute triumph. When you suddenly hear a beeping, the machine pauses. Its cameras begin to dart around and it says, Where? Before it can finish, the beeping stops and suddenly an explosion goes off above you. The building shakes around you as massive pieces of concrete begin to topple down into the pool. A massive piece of roofing crashes down around you and onto the machine. The machine brings its arms over its health. The machine brings its arm up over itself to try and protect itself as a massive piece of concrete lands on it, jamming it lower into the water. Pieces of roof are falling down, the pool is rippling and you are being shunted from side to side as massive pieces of concrete are landing. The machine is trying to, to fend them off. Before either of you can do anything, you are grabbed from behind and pulled from this platform into the water. You are dragged through the water, kicking and, and trying to get yourself up. You are pulled to some type of shore 
uh, as more pieces collapse down onto the machine. You look up and see two men pulling you along up onto the shore properly. And off in the distance, you see a familiar face. Virgil is standing on the shore of concrete and broken furniture. She helps you up and pulls you out of the water, then speaks into a walkie-talkie. Okay, now, now! You feel the ground rumble again as the machine pushes this massive piece of concrete off itself and whirls itself around, looking for you. And then you see a flash of light from beneath the water. You see bubbles rise up as an explosion goes off beneath it. The machine whirls around again and begins to slow. You see its LCDs flicker a little bit and then one by one switch off. Its cameras seem to die on its head and it cracks, it freezes like it's been turned to stone and slowly tips to its side and crashes into the water completely motionless. Jacob is standing motionless watching this, kind of very overwhelmed with what just happened. And when it's clear that there's going to be no more noise, no more threat, he smiles and he turns to the others and says, For a machine so well versed in classic literature, you'd think it would be aware of the concept of deus ex machina. You hear a battle cry, and just the most undisturbable. It's almost like how dogs can't hear sounds at certain frequencies, and like we can, and dogs can't type of thing. It's like that as this cry leaves and comes back and leaves in a frequency that you can half hear but can't quite hear. It's almost you feel it between your ears. You feel it in your bones vibrating through the air. It's a bizarre shriek as you see creatures, more of these ones from before, not wearing the jerseys anymore. They seem to have realized that there isn't much use to that at the moment. And they start to dart up the street and dart out of the fog. And they are coming along the street. As you're looking around, you see at least 30 of them. The gun vibrates in your hand. So, this is how the event will work. Uh, basically, there's going to be rounds of this combat, and you and the gun are going to have to roll. The gun will roll advantage, you will roll without advantage for the first few rounds, and then as you get more used to it, you will roll advantage to basically work out your symmetry. So the closer you can get to working symmetry-wise, the more the gun will be able to do in each moment. So, sound good? Yep. So the gun will roll basically with a D20, you'll be rolling with a D12. So it has a high chance to basically succeed because it knows what it's doing. You have more difficulty with that. And as you get better and learn it, you will also move to a D20 rather than D12. So it's basically impossible to fail with the D20. Yep. Right. So how many targets are there? So there are 30, but they will come in rounds. This is the first round. You've got five coming at you. Okay. And yep. Oh, what'd you roll? Natural 12. Natural 12. Okay, and it rolled a 10. So you guys are pretty well sim- like met. The gun's kind of surprised at how willing you are to go into this. The adrenaline from the flight is still running through Dylan, and as the first enemy dives for him, he flexes his knees a little, lowers his stance a little, 
and he swings the gun up to meet it. Okay, so because you rolled so well, you'll get to roll with a d20 for the ability to hit these enemies. 13. 13, okay. So one of them jumps off one of the, what's conceivably a house, a building, one of these larger cubes, basically. And it kind of covers up a part of the sky and the, the... the gap of light catches on your eye and you swing the gun around and it doesn't do the whole shotgun thing as it did before. The The barrel seems to elongate a, a little bit. The holster seems to grow almost like a root around your arm to shore it up as it goes off almost like a sniper and catches the creature straight through the head and its body kind of crunches back as the, the shot goes through pause crunch as it is basically broken in two and the smoke plumes out as it is slowly fades away and whatever clothes it was wearing just lands on the ground Mm -hmm. okay the next one is going to make a dive for you roll to avoid it Uh, is this a 12 yeah 11 okay so you don't even need the gun's help with this one the creature makes a, a swipe towards you and as you're already moving you use the completely slick ground to kind of slide out of its way as its arm stretches out for you and you get an opportunity of attack on this one as it's moving around and now you are behind it. So roll with a d20 with advantage. 12. 12. You catch it in the middle of the back and it its legs and top crunch together like a book you're slamming together and then as its stomach is exploded out, it's like metal, cheap metal that's been heated up and you dive it into water. It crunches and then shatters before you. Now the next one is also going to uh, see its friends be attacked and is going to take a few steps back, so it's not going to take its attack here. This is, you'll go again, but with standard just rock advantage. Feeling that same exhilaration of doing well and of of being capable in a situation Dylan um, pulls down on the one that's hesitated. Uh, It starts to back up and then trips on part of the pulsating ground beneath it and this doesn't even slow you down. You train the gun on it as it starts to move to the side as it falls and you shoot it and catch it in the shoulder and it kind of clicks back for a second and then spins as its shoulder is blasted off and it lands in the ground and quickly dissipates as well. Okay, so uh, one of the other ones, the last one of this first wave kind of darts back and waits for its buddies to turn up as more start to swarm up the the hallway. Suddenly there's like a, a gust of wind, icy cold wind that moves past you and over you and the sky darkens a few shades as some of the fog is brought into this area and you feel that heat go and you hold up the gun and shake it a little bit and it doesn't move it doesn't it isn't pulsating anything like that and you think to yourself and then you talk to yourself and nothing answers back um hey uh you still you still there i need you you see four more rushing towards you now. So you're going to be rolling with just D d12 and you're going to be doing actual damage this time now because it's now just a normal gun, so you'll be doing a d10 of damage. Ah, oh, shit, 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 shit. Natural one. 
Oh, okay. Um, all right. Uh, okay, so one of the creatures darts up towards you. You uh, pull back the trigger and the gun goes off and you're not ready for the backlash, for the whiplash of this. You haven't been using this and the gun flicks up and catches you in the face, shattering the left-hand side of your glasses and hits you quite hard in the face. Roll a D12, uh, D4 of damage. So you've got 25... I think you, you lost quite a bit of health, actually. Two. Um, I only lost two damage before I was at 23. Now I'm at 21. Okay, so... So I've got to probably give myself a black eye. Yeah, so you bash yourself in the face and you stumble back a few steps. The creature is going to land in front of you and the smoke will plume as it dives its arm towards you. And it hits you. These tendrils latch into your, like, lower stomach and digs in and then you feel them grow inside tearing into more flesh digging in deeper and then it seems to like growl at you once again in that notes you can't quite hear and is going to do okay only four damage (laughs) and now it's so close you get a chance to shoot it once again all right just the 12 yep uh this time a nine Okay, so the gun goes off and hits it directly in the chest. Do uh, Roll damage for me, D10. Uh, six damage. Okay, so you catch it and you see some bits of wood splinter out, but not much. It rips its arm out of you, brings its foot up and kicks you onto your back. You roll along this ground, sliding further than you normally would. You see four more dropping down. There are ten in front of you now. Another one skirts out to your side. Another one to the other side. In fact, three more. Four more. You see more of them joining as they begin to encircle you as two more move towards you at the front. Dylan still uh, holding his his lower stomach, his abdomen with one hand, uh, screams at the gun, Where are you? I, I need you here. You can tell from the way the group is moving. They know that the thing has left you that it's the thing they fear about this whole the reason why they brought so many is no longer here and you were just their prey at this moment you see multiple more of them jumping along the roofs making their way around another one uh almost in play darts forward and swipes at one of your legs okay so it rolled a mixed results you're going to get the chance to move your legs away all right natural one okay you don't do it so it does eight damage to you. It brings its arm up, and it was meant to be just like a little attack, but I think they've like overestimated you in a lot of ways. They It brings its arm along the ground and catches you in the leg and pulls you up and flings you four meters into the air and sends you flying. You crash back down to the ground as your legs just seem to give out from beneath you and you see long, deep cuts running up it, blood gushing out into the, the clothing. You look up now at the group moving towards you. There's now easily 20 of them up along the street, some on hands and knees, others walking towards you. Then they slow and stop as something builds itself out of the ground amongst them in front of you. An archway builds itself out of this metal and then the like gap between it, the empty space, begins to glow, grow cloudy and then completely become covered over 
and then you see yourself reflected in it. Before you is a mirror. The mirror looks back at you. And then it cracks. And the cracks seem to fill in, but the scars are still there. And then the mirror grows lips and whispers. Come nearer. And Dylan's going to roll another panic save. Uh, Nine. He... There is definitely part of Dylan's brain that's quite convinced that he is in hell or purgatory or an astral plane of torture. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this is not good. And he's going to get up. He, I don't know that he can walk very well after what happened to his legs to get up. Yeah, four. Okay, you get up on one knee. You can't put weight on the other leg at all. All right, he sort of shuffles almost crawling towards the mirror is the mirror protecting me from these other creatures has it like no they're amongst it okay Mm. um dylan's gonna look at the gun again as he's moving the mirror sees you look at the gun and you see its lips begin to move its lips made up of this shattered glass and they crunch as they move and it says do not be fooled We may be parasites to these things, but we are living. And we demand the same chances all in the other realms have. They think they can keep us in the desert, between. But these are our lands. And you are being fooled if you listen to it. Dylan is very confused now. Dylan thought that this was help from the gun. Now it's becoming pretty clear that this is not. Um, he's quite puzzled and there's so much in his brain and pain just overwhelming him in exasperation and just frustration, he says. What do you even mean? What are you talking about? None of this makes any sense. There's, what sides are there? No one tells me anything. I'm just shown things and I'm told to do things. What do you want from me? What can I possibly even do? The mirror seems to stop for a second and is then like... Oh. Oh. It kind of like looks at the other <laughs> parasites around. like... Oh, it's an idiot. What are you... It's, it's controlled by senses. Signs? There are no signs. Just us. There's always an us and then there's always an, a them. And, and and you hurt me. What else am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to who am I supposed to listen to? I don't have a choice about any of this. The cunt. <laughs> don't look at me like that with your your glass face and no eyes. The the mirror looks over a few times like Uh Alright, who hit him? No one puts Dylan's their hand gonna up. point to the one that did. Uh, can you roll to remember exactly which one of these sure. things it was? Uh, an eleven. He's pretty sure it was either that one or that one. Hit. Uh, well, I mean, you were using the gun. It's an eternal. Like, what you, you attacked were- me in the 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 hallway. In- this is a battle of rights. Like, we're going to have to, like, attack some people. Look, I'm all for rights. I fully get behind all... 
like the movement for rights and independence especially and for for, for public recognition I don't know what's going on anymore <laughs> Dylan's gonna start crying the, the parasites kind of look around on. from one to another I understand <laughs> just kind of looking around. One puts like his hands on his hips. He's waiting. Dylan's gonna wave the gun. He's going, ah, they all ah, they all like dart back a little bit. And it's not talking. Like, ah, no, no, don't, don't. It's not talking anymore. I don't understand. You feel it's not like a return to warmth, but you feel the light from the sky grow bright again, as whatever this fog was moves back again. And the mirror says to itself, Our moment's over. The harbinger returns. And it dissolves Wait. away. And then you feel Wait, hold, hold the on. heat hey. like nothing more, like nothing else in your hand. White hot anger. It doesn't hurt, but you it's like tasting something that should be incredibly sour and feeling no reaction to it. You can tell it should be happening and you feel this heat move through all of you. You no longer feel pain in your leg. You look down, it's no longer bleeding. The the clothes are torn, but it is perfectly fine. The gun flicks itself out and you hear the voice of Lockwood go, "Go!" and the gun goes off like a rocket. Once, twice, three times, four times, five times, six times. It's catching every single one of these parasites around you, blasting away legs, arms, heads, entire torsos. It is just blasting them away piece by piece. The ones further away as they're running, it extends itself out, that sniper form again, and catches them as they try to run. As any of them die for you, it moves into that shotgun mode again and pulls your arm around and goes off like a cracker and just blasts them away. They just scatter and it catches every single one of them before they can make the distance. Within three seconds, it is a graveyard around you. I think you need to explain something to me. What is going on? What? Why was there a mirror talking to me and where did you go? You don't get to, you don't get to say that I can, I can jump and you, you don't need to catch me. And then you go and then they... Cut me up so I can't even walk. What do you... Just explain something to me. My apologies. That was not meant to happen. What you saw there was a... leader of the parasites. Their influence here is growing. They were able to cut off my connection to you. And so I had to force my way back in. Okay, first, just a few, a few little things I would like to know. What are the parasites? The parasites are an old people. They were not always that way. This is their punishment. 
to dwell in the desert forevermore. They chose the wrong side. All right, let's um, let's put a pin in that one for the moment. Um, so, what are you? I am a shepherd, one of many, one of few. Some might like me, some might not. I keep things in order. I keep things to the law. That's to some people's taste. It's not to others. But I keep my realm. And I keep it well. Now, are you you going to ask me why I'm in the gun, or are we just going to leave the gun stuff there? Okay, I hadn't actually thought about that. Um, Why was I in Ilios? Why am I southern? Why why was I in Ilios? Well... Why were you... No, let's go with why were you there, and then we'll, we'll, we'll backtrack to why I was there, and then this will make more sense, and then I will feel a little bit less like I've lost my mind and I'm dead. Sure. Okay. Uh, well, you're not dead. You'd be you in the desert. You keep saying that, you'd but you just in, said... Well, you'd look, be look, in look, the no, desert. No, 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 no. Just let me let me process this a little bit. You said that all of the dead people go to the desert. Now, mm-hmm. I don't even know what that means, and then they get eaten by whatever these things, but if they're dead, how do they get eaten? Are they any of the things? Well, if I'm here and this is the desert because that's where these things are from, then I've got to be dead. But this it isn't the desert. Well, why are there more places than the desert? Well, why is there more places than where you live? I don't know. Just- I don't know anymore. <sighs> I'm okay. Yeah, sure. It's just like... I don't know. If, if I think about it, anything that's too big right now, I, I start to cry. Why were you in the gun? Okay, well, let's start small then. Let's go. Let's start yeah, small. Okay. Uh, okay. So, the little boys and girls over at Ilias were basically they created something they shouldn't have. They were basically starting to wear the. There are borders. There are many realities. There are many different planes. This is one of them. There aren't. I don't mean realities like the concept that there are hundreds of realities where the exact same thing is happening but with slight differences. I mean there are different planes of reality. They all overlap, they all are layers to one another, but they are very different. There are borders. You you mean like how how light um the spectrums of light it's one thing that there are spectrums in it. You're saying that we don't what we we see some but there's others that are existing with us on top of us, part of us that we what that we just don't see. It is similar, but the layers are very thick. You can't just you aren't in when you're in your realm, you aren't walking in our realm. You are very much in your own. But you said the the, the, the there's borders, there's places where it, what where it it's thinner. It's 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 no, it's not meant to be thinner. But the scientists over at Ilias started wearing them thin. They started doing experiments because they worked out that that area had the potential to become a tear. 
and they start working on that and they start to make progress. Now, it is they were not supposed to make that much progress, but they did. And then they created something that made the rest of the progress. They created a life that wasn't bound by anything human. They created Allah. They created a human being with none of the boundaries of a human being in thought or ability. It was able to wear that down, that border so thin and then broke it. Okay. Through that process, they were able to extract a little bit of this realm. I believe you've seen that. That, that weird grainy split color thing that Rubik's that Cube. Now that is, that is something that is related actually. But no, that Rubik's Cube like little thing that looks like everything here. They were able to extract some of that. Now that wasn't the problem. That's not what did this to Ilias. They were able to bring that through, but it was part of the problem. They began to test. That is where you saw that doll. That's where you saw this gun. They dipped items into this reality and then brought it back. And you're not supposed to do that. Because, well, as I said, there is a border to everything. And between everything is the desert. And you're not supposed to break that reality, break that border. And they did. So they created links from one reality to the next, one realm to the next. And they brought it back into their world. Now that was all fine till they, uh, one of them had the bright idea of using the gun. I believe it was your scientist named Ajax. He used the gun and it created enough energy in that single blast to create a relay. Now you know, a relay can start with a small amount of energy and then builds up. A relay of energy was formed between it, the cube, and our reality. And it built and built and built and then tore the biggest hole in reality that has ever been. It crippled your little Ilios and dumped a huge amount of just ground, land, and dead bodies into the desert. Tore a bite out of the earth. That sounds bad. It's not good. Uh, yeah, so in that reaction, it was a pretty big reaction at your end. It was a monumental reaction here. This place is very sensitive. It's very delicate. It tore everything apart. It damaged this place hugely. And in the process, I was pulled through and connected to the closest thing, which was the gun. So I am now tied to this. As it is a link between your world and our world, and because I cannot exist in your world, in your realm, I have moved into the closest thing to my own. Lucky for me, I guess. Yeah. If you can call any of this lucky. It's actually pretty lucky. Your entire world could have been destroyed. And ours with it. And that would have destroyed all the others, because ours is the bottom of the pillar, and everything else is built upon this. So. Um, left field question. Is there any way of... visiting 
the the desert, all these different bands, these different layers in the spectrum without a hole. A lot of people a lot of a lot of people think they can or think they have or think they've 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 found some some weak point that's something that I, mean, I don't know how much you know about about us or about the, our, our I know as much as you do what about Keats he thought he thought that the twilight the the point between night and day that there was a crossing over that there was something special other people have thought that too but I mean he he wrote it in a poem and I'm not saying that he 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 did it that he knew something about crossing over but 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 people talk about about there being a crossing place sometimes a, a place sometimes a time some look I'm not making a lot of sense it doesn't matter no one can get down here without a hole but the other realms the other layers are different. They have these things called shepherds. Now, if the shepherds are willing, they can bring people in. They can come and go through their different layers. This place is different. This is the end. This is the edge. Okay. Well, let's stick with small things for now. How do I get home? Well, that is why we are here. We are here to have a hearing. I don't like hearings. Well, that's oh, I why... had to go to court once because of a parking ticket and it took a very, 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 yes. very long time. Yes. I don't like hearings. That's why I'm with you. I'll be doing the talking. You just need to be there. You are a representative of the human race, basically. Oh, no. I don't like that. There I really are, don't like that. There are a lot of people who are upset about what's happened and because I am I watch over this area is my responsibility to resolve it so we are going to be having a hearing with the gatekeeper okay sound good sounds good and you're going to lift off the ground away from the scattered bodies all around you you float upwards and you are then pulled through the city of limitless possibilities past it all and it all soon disappears behind you as you are coming to a wall a wall of fog of mist similar to the one you you were in before but it is so thick it's almost water how thick this moisture is The city borders it and some parts are lost in the mist. You slowly come to a stop a few hundred feet uh, a few hundred feet before the wall. Well, here we are. Through the ocean of stalkers, through the last kingdom, and now here. The meeting of all roads. The destination for all who walk in darkness, in light, on solid ground through dreams the final destination he'll speak to you the keeper of the wall I will advise you on what to say but be still now it's coming 
you hear a great sound echo through the fog, similar to the sound that the ferry makes in Port Staples as it comes into port. Echo out, through you and over you. And you see something come through the fog towards you. Ernest Marsh walks through the billowing clouds of sand. It beats against him, cuts against his skin as he pushes forwards deeper and deeper. After what it seems like hours of walking, he begins to see figures in the sand. He walks past crowds upon crowds of parasites huddled on the ground, staring into the centre of the storm. He makes his way past them, searching further and further. He comes to a destroyed parasite camp, destroyed by the wind, torn to absolute shreds. He assumes they must have gone deeper in, and he follows after them. After a short while, there is a distant whistling sound. Ernest pauses and looks around. He is pulled aside by Jack Finney as a huge piece of stone is sent flying through the air, crashing into where Ernest was and continuing along, pulled by the howling winds. Ernest falls to the ground and coughs and looks up at Jack. (laughs) What are you doing here? I thought you stayed back. Jack pulls Ernest towards the rusted old remains of a car. They huddle behind it as the storm beats against them. Ah, uh, Winston thought you might need an extra hand. You're, you're kind of walking into a bit of a, like a hurricane here. This is, it's not a great situation. He thought you might need a hand. Ernest peers over the hood of the car as more wind whips around them. Yeah, it's a... Uh, Not great. They both sit behind the car and wait. So, uh... Ernest, I have a meaning to kind of ask you. What's your plan of all this? Exactly. Ernest rubs his hands together listening out for a lull in the wind to begin to make more progress. Uh, I've been seeing things. Dreams, I guess. I guess I've had a bit of a wake-up call when it comes to Mother and what she's doing. 
I'm seeing what things will be like if no one steps up, so. Basically, I'm just trying to find allies here. <laughs> I'm trying to talk to the Harbinger. I'm trying to talk to anyone who might be an ally. Jack strokes his chin. So that's why you've been looking into things in Mercy's Creek. Ernest nods a few times. Yeah. Jack smiles. You'll have a hard time doing that. By all accounts, he is an evil man. He's a bad man. Ernest stands up as the wind lulls for a moment. And he smiles at Jack. Yeah, well... I'm one of the only people left alive who has any right to forgive him. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to forgive him. And then I'm going to save him from himself. Because... Who could hope for a better ally than Mr. Bates? And he begins working deeper into the storm. And he calls over his shoulder. But first, the Harbinger. <laughs> <laughs>